Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, psychology student, wife, and mama four. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey, everyone. Today I'm here with Chrissy. Chrissy is a second time podcast guest, and I'll make sure to link her previous episode up in the show notes. Chrissy is a self-described professional queer. Chrissy Delfonso, she, her, has made her career educating about and supporting LGBTQ plus college students. Chrissy has been out as a queer woman for 15 plus years and has identified as polyamorous, although not always in practice, for nearly 10. She is currently part of a group of amazing and interconnected humans who affectionately refer to themselves as the polycule. So like molecule, but polycule. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I love that. Chrissy currently resides in the gorgeous, or is it supposed to be gorge? It's gorgeous because like gorgeous and gorge. Yes, like gorge. Yes, I get it. It's our big pun of like. (laughs) <laughs> that's what I thought uh, people might not people can't see it they can't in the yeah. show notes it's, it's yeah. g-o-r-g-e-s so I, I got it but then I was like I don't know if people will get it <laughs> yeah. Ithaca New York which is um a couple hours away from where I grew up which uh somebody affectionately deemed um Canada adjacent <laughs> Um, with her dog Ellie, a higher education, edu- a higher education professional with an arts background, Chrissy can can just as easily be found knitting or trying a new craft as she can be working at a computer. And loves all things rainbow sparkles and unicorns, just like me. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. Hello, so happy to be here again. Thanks for having me back. Anytime, anytime. If you have anything that you're like, ooh, this sounds great. I'd love to talk about it. I'll be like, okay, let's talk about it. <laughs> so I do love to, to talk. Today we're going to talk about polyamory, which is you mentioned in your bio. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love for you to kick it off on telling us when you realize that maybe monogamy is not for you. Well... I think that there's multiple answers to that question because there's kind of like conscious realizing it and being like, okay, cool. There's a name for this and this is what I want to do. And then there's realizing that and looking back going, oh, so many things in my life make sense now. And so (laughs) I was first kind of introduced to the concept of polyamory or non-monogamy when I was in college. So late 2010s, right around like 2009, 2010. Um, and, you know, kind of got exposed to that and was like, oh, and then started thinking back to all of the relationships I had in high school where, you know, I would have this partner that like, I really liked a lot and be like, this is so great. But then also see someone really cute walking down the hallway and be like, "Mm, hello. (laughs) And conventional knowledge is like, you don't do that. That's cheating. That's bad. Ooh. And so, you know, I had like all of this guilt about being attracted to so many people at the same time and then you know somebody tells you there's this whole other thing and I grew I grew up kind of religious you know it's not something that like we talked about at all it's not something that a lot of people talk about at all in their households with their kids um so you know finding out about it I was like what is this (laughs) 
and you know just like open a whole world of possibilities I love it uh, I actually was introduced to polyamory uh, when I had uh, a friend or uh, two friends who were polyamorous that didn't end very well um, because from what I now know about polyamory they weren't doing it the way everybody else does. <laughs> Very healthily. Yes, they were kind of doing it as a way to like hit on people that they shouldn't, you know, like weren't respectful of other people's boundaries. Yeah. Um, which I met amazing people through them who later were able to like help educate me on like, no, that's really not how that goes. It's really not how that goes at all. So tell us a little bit about polyamory. People listening may have a lot of misconceptions, um, a lot, because (laughs) people make it out to be like, oh, this is your excuse to be able to just screw whoever you want. And Mm -hmm. that's not quite how it works. Yeah. So I I feel like there's so many different ways to come at it. Okay. So (laughs) (laughs) First things first, polyamory is not polygamy. So please don't lock me in with the Mormons and all of the religious sects where one man has seven wives and it's all very stuff. Polyamory and polygamy are two completely different things. So we're talking about polyamory today. And polyamory literally means many loves. Poly, many, it's Greek. uh, Amory, amor, love, Latin. Um, A lot of folks in the poly community like to joke that the only thing wrong with polyamory is that the language comes from two different root languages, and that's fucked up. Everything else is cool. (laughs) You do it right. But the language thing, uh, we're not a huge fan. And so polyamory is like a huge umbrella term because it really kind of encompasses this entire non-monogamy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And depending on who you talk to, polyamory can fall under non-monogamy or like non-monogamy can fall under polyamory there's you know everybody has kind of their own different ways of explaining things organizing things um but I really like to think of kind of like this kind of non-monogamy group of like ethical consensual non-monogamy and so the two really big things in that are ethical and consensual and so you know you talk about like your friends who maybe weren't doing poly in a very healthy way for other people that's not necessarily ethical consensual. Everybody in a relationship has to know that the relationship is polyamorous and be like, yeah, I'm into this. I agree to it. So poly is not somebody cheating on their partner behind their back and being like, oh yeah, I have two girlfriends. Do your girlfriends know about each other? Like they don't have to know each other, but they need to know each other exists. Otherwise it's not ethical. It's not consensual. And so, you know, transparency, communication, honesty are all really big values in polyamory because you need to be able to talk about emotions, not just with one partner, which is often very difficult to do with one partner to get to, you know, an honest place where you can talk about emotions with that partner. But then you also need to be able to talk about your emotions with maybe two of your partners, but then you also need to talk about the emotions that they have about each other or the emotions that you have at one of your partner's partners. And, you know, all of a sudden the conversation gets so much bigger. Um, and so, you know, we, we like to joke, we fucking love Google Docs. We love Google calendars. Like we got to organize our lives because there are so many of us. Yeah. So that, that's kind of my elevator spiel of polyamory and non-monogamy. I love it. And I have, 
uh, had it explained to me as, as it, as this way, and I, I don't know if this is for all poly relationships, but you have like a core relationship and then like, uh, how do I explain it? Like that they're, they're the, you have like your core relationship. So it'd be like, you may not be married, but like your husband and wife, and then you each may have separate relationships or you may have relationships together with other people. Yeah. All right. So that's <laughs> great, great lead in. There are a ton of different ways to organize polyamory because you can have what some people call like hierarchical poly. So two people might be primaries. That's what I was thinking. They, of. Yep. They put themselves kind of at the core of a relationship and then maybe they have other relationships. Maybe they have a mutual partner. Um, so, you know, a quote unquote third that dates both of the partners, but there's still kind of that hierarchy of the primary couple, whether that's two women or a woman and a man, the primary couple has some kind of couple's privilege over a third or a secondary partner. Um, a lot of people do that. A lot of people, it works really well for them. Um, some other kind of setups are, um, so relationship anarchy is kind of like the opposite end of that. This is a term I only learned maybe two years ago and like really took me a little while to kind of get my brain around because I was like, I don't understand like anarchy, but it's this idea that everything is kind of organic and interconnected. And one of the core principles of relationship anarchy is that you don't necessarily privilege your romantic or sexual relationships above your platonic ones. So the hmm. way in monogamous culture and a lot of polyamorous culture, my partner gets precedence over even my best friend. Right. But in relationship anarchy, I would basically view those as two different but equal relationships. Gotcha. Um, so I don't necessarily practice either of those. I fall kind of in the middle of this area. Um, like I said, we call it a polycule. Um, I've seen other people call it uh, constellations. So like a bunch of like interconnected dots with the stars. Um, and this idea of like just a lot of interconnected relationships. And so um, I was thinking about this as I was getting ready for the podcast today because we booked this. We, we agreed. We agreed to do this a while ago. Yeah. And when we recorded your first episode and I was like, oh yeah, we should talk about that. Back in like, <laughs> back in like early June, right? Or July. Yeah. I think it was July. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So July, it hasn't changed too much. I was like, did we, did we record this before I broke up with my fiance? <laughs> because I was engaged for almost five years together for seven with a monogamous partner <laughs> that, um, you know, I brought into our polycule with me. Um, and so that's, that's completely shifted, but essentially the way that, um, our polycule is kind of structured right now, there are eight of us. And since we've booked the podcast, that number has changed and the way that we are all connected has changed several times as they, they often do. Um, and we call it a polycule because there are all of these connections that, um, you know, like, Okay, the best way to explain it is my girlfriend's boyfriend's girlfriend's girlfriend <laughs> is a really good friend of mine. I'm not, I'm not dating her. I'm not in any kind of like romantic or sexual relationship with her. But because of the way that we are connected in this little like arky thing, she loops back to us. 
and my girlfriend and this other this other woman who's in our polycule the three of us are like a really close friend group gotcha Um, and so there's all of these like really weird and interesting connections because then you know i um my partners my girlfriends um her other boyfriend just got married a couple of months ago and like they did a really really small covid ceremony and I occupy such a, le- a place in her life and thereby his life that like I got invited to that, which felt like a really big deal to me. It was really it was cool, a big deal. but was also like, you know, really interesting telling people, yeah, I'm going to my girlfriend's boyfriend's wedding. And they're like, I'm sorry, what? I'm like, well, <laughs> let me explain. Um, you know, and like, it was, I'm out at work. Uh, I'm right. really lucky. I work, we've talked about, it. I work in a queer resource center. I work in diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I'm already kind of predisposed to be in a more accepting culture. Um, so I was out as queer as soon as I got hired because literally it's kind of in my job description that I'm right. a person running a queer resource center. Um, but the poly part, um, so when I moved to Ithaca and started this job, I was moving from Maine where I had been living with my partner for five years. Um, my, my cisgender heterosexual white male partner <laughs> who was also largely monogamous. Um, and so, you know, I was engaged and I show up to this job with like a ring on my finger, telling people about my long distance partner. And then about a year after I start the job, I met my girlfriend and like we started dating and she's, you know, she's obviously the way I'm talking about it. She was my connection to this whole polycule. And, you know, for a little while, like I was like, I don't know if this is going to be serious or not. Like, I'm not really going to, you know, shout it from the rooftops, but the longer it went on, the more I was like, all right, like, I really like this girl. This is going to be like, she's going to be a big part of my relationship. And so I started, you know, like just kind of dropping these like little hints of like, oh yeah, like, you know, it's date night with my girlfriend tonight. And people would kind of do that, like dog head tilt of just like, what? (laughs) Did you and your fiance break up? I'm like, no, that's the great thing. Like we're still together. Everything's great. I just met this new girl and she's really awesome. And so I came out to a ton of my coworkers through conversations like that, where they would just kind of do the head tilt and be like, I, I don't understand. Right. Um, I had this one coworker who I very explicitly called her, my girlfriend for months and months. Um, and it didn't come out until we were talking about dating apps. And I said that I had met my, at the time, still my fiance online, but I met my girlfriend in person. And she was like, wait, she's your girl like she's your girlfriend girlfriend I thought she was just like your girlfriend and I was like no 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 like romantic I love her girlfriend not just like oh yeah that's my girlfriend and I was just like for like six months I'd been telling this coworker about my girlfriend and like she'd been thinking I was talking about a friend so it, it's it's really interesting the ways that people interpret polyamorous relationships yeah I I have definitely had people I, I I'm a sucker for comment sections on the internet, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which gets me in a lot of trouble. Uh, and, you know, I, I, you know, you see those, those um, comments of people being like really judgy about it. And they're like, you know, like I, I said earlier, people think it's just about sex, but it's not just mm-hmm. about sex. Like you, when you're in a polyamorous relationship, it goes beyond sex. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Like explain it to the people so they they may not understand. I think when people think intimacy, they automatically think sex, but it doesn't have to be 
just sex. It doesn't even actually have to be sex at all. I mean, think about people who have been married for like 50 years and may not Mm -hmm. be able to have sex and they still, you know, are intimate with each other. Or, you know, asexual people who are still in romantic relationships. Yep. Um, There's so many different, there's so many different ways that you can structure relationships. And so the way that I practice polyamory, yeah, it does mean that there are people that I have, I can have multiple meaningful and loving relationships at one time. And so right now, uh, my girlfriend is my only romantic partner um, because my fiance and I realized after a lot of conversation over the summer that like at the core, I'm polyamorous and he's monogamous. And so he, he is dating someone monogamously right now and is very happy. And I am dating someone polyamorously right now and I'm very happy. But when I met my girlfriend and really started this, you know, for a long time, I was kind of practicing monogamy. And so I started practicing polyamory again and make it sound like an instrument, but I started practicing polyamory again. And, you know, for almost a year, there was this overlap of, I was in these deep, loving, meaningful relationships with two different people. And, you know, there was kind of this like very comforting long-term love with my fiance who I had been with for, you know, six, seven years. So there was that familiarity, that comfort, that love of like knowing someone's been by your side for such a long time. Mm -hmm. And then with my girlfriend, there was what we call, um, and it happens in a lot of relationships, but polyamory is, are the people who came up with the term NRE, new relationship energy. And it's kind of the language to talk about that, like just puppy love buzzing your heart is bursting with joy when you meet a new partner and like everything is just so exciting the honeymoon Um, feeling the honeymoon feeling and so you know monogamous people haven't really necessarily needed a word for that because it's just kind of like what happens when you start a new relationship but when you have multiple relationships at multiple kind of points in the relationship you can have a partner that you've been with a long time and then also have this new partner where you're feeling this like new relationship energy and you're just like all excited and you know both of those things can be really meaningful and really important to you at the same time and so you know my my fiance was long uh long distance as well as long term so we were 600 miles apart um and my girlfriend lived in town and so you know i could see him once a month maybe ish if we were lucky i was seeing her you know at least once a week And so the different, you know, differing timelines also were really helpful. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) All I keep thinking, when I think about, uh, I think about polyamory and I can't even think of the name of the show on Netflix, but they have a thruple. It's politician. Have you seen the politician? I haven't. Is that the one, the high school, high schooler? No. He, yeah, he was a high schooler in the first season. In the second okay. season, he's not a high schooler anymore. But yeah, it starts out with a high no, schooler. I still haven't watched it. It's in the second anyone's... season that the thruple comes in. Ooh, okay. Now yes. that needs to go on my and, watch list. And so um, I don't want to get too far into it because it could be a spoiler alert for the season. But um, I will just say it's like the thr- it wasn't a public thruple at, at first, um, but they were very like being public could have hurt like hurt the reputation of somebody Mm -hmm. um in the thruple but then they eventually are just like we can't live without this person like this this person because the 
one couple was married, mm-hmm. but then they realized like monog- monogamy wasn't working for them. So that they, mm-hmm. they formed their throuple and oh, we can't live without this person. We love this person so much. Like mm-hmm. they mean so much to it. So that's what I think of when you're talking is like having these relationships where you care so deeply about somebody else. But like you said, your girlfriend has you and a boyfriend. Two boyfriends. Two boyfriends. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that lady, she's getting around. Oh. <laughs> she's got it going on. <laughs> we have, we've got um, a lot of, most of the people in our um, polycule have two or three partners. Okay. Um, because of the way that we're like all interconnected. Right. I happen, I happen to be the one, one weirdo. Um, so not really that weird though I have so I have one romantic partner and then I have two um like non-romantic um friend with benefits partners uh one of whom part of our polycule so my girlfriend's boyfriend is someone that I am partners with but not romantically um and so there's you know there's different kinds of connections so explain that to people who are listening who might be like what what the hell do you mean like (laughs) Because I, I'm sure I'm, I don't want to make assumptions about the people listening, but I'm sure there's people list. There's a lot of people listening who are in monogamous relationships or only have been in monogamous relationships. Cause I know most people were brought up with that's the only acceptable form of relationship, right? Like mm-hmm. polyamory wasn't something that you, you know, was wildly acceptable. Um, so they may not understand. They might be like, well, I, my spouse or my significant other that's my only like Mm -hmm. what is this all these different relationships you're talking about so this this is where i play very much into the like bisexual queer polyamorous stereotype and where i give all of the people who are practicing like polyfidelis relationships a bad name so um, polyfidelis is essentially like it might be a closed triad. So that thruple that you were talking about, right. they agree to only date the, you know, the three of them. They are a thruple. It's a closed relationship. It's polyamorous, but it's not open. Um, my polycule does not practice that. We are very much not a closed polycule. And, um, you know, essentially we all kind of go by the general rule of like nobody can necessarily veto a partner for us. But they can tell us like, hey, I'm not comfortable with you seeing that person because of their COVID practices or because of the ways that I know they've treated someone else or, you know, whatever reasons, we definitely take input from each other, but nobody necessarily has like veto power to be like, you can't date that person. They can't be part of a polycule. Um, And so, like I said, you know, we're not, we're not polyfidelis. This is where I give some of the folks who are really trying to give that like polyfidelis, polyamory, a good name. Um, we're much more open. And so, you know, we have a, an open polyamorous relationship. And so I am in a committed polyamorous relationship with my girlfriend. It is a long-term relationship. I don't plan on her going anywhere out of my life anytime soon. Right. Um, and, you know, she doesn't plan on either of her other partners leaving anytime soon. And I have other partners who may be shorter term partners who may be, you know, the kind of more like vanilla monogamous side of things might call them like friends with benefits. Yeah. Um, we don't necessarily use that language. Um, but essentially that's, you know, if you're going to use that language, that's what they are. They're, they're people that I'm very close with. They're people that I care a lot about. Um, 
you know, my, my girlfriend's boyfriend is someone, we'll use initials here. So my girlfriend is K, boyfriend is T. I'm very close with him. I'm very good friends with him. You know, the, the three of us and his girlfriend, we've, hang, we've hung out a lot. We're a, kind of a tight portion of our larger group. And, you know, so he and he's a very good friend of mine. I have no interest in dating him. Like, I don't have romantic feelings about him. I love him as, you know, like a platonic love, the way that right. you love your friends deeply. Um, but, you know, we can have sex and not necessarily be in a romantic relationship. Right. And for me, that's one of the really nice things about it because you can have the stability of one or more stable, committed, loving relationships and also have other experiences that maybe give you that new relationship energy rush or give you just the rush of having sex with a new partner. These are things that, you know, single people often really enjoy. And in monogamous culture, there's this belief that when you are no longer single, completely unpartnered, you right. have to give that up. And I mean, don't get me wrong. It's complicated. Again, we talk about like the communication. <laughs> we have to talk a lot about that because, right. you know, I'm sleeping with my girlfriend's boyfriend. Like there's a lot of communication that needs to happen for that to be one above board, everyone to know about it, everyone to be it for it to be ethical and consensual, like I was saying, and then for everybody to feel good about it as well, because, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, and I'm sure some of your listeners are like, but isn't she jealous? And, you know, whether that's me or my girlfriend or his girlfriend, you know, other girlfriend that I'm not, we're not dated or relating to. Yes, jealousy absolutely still happens in polyamory, but it's handled very differently. A healthy polyamorous relationship can have jealousy, but jealous, feeling jealousy and acting on jealousy can be two really different things. And so somebody may say, I'm feeling jealous about this right now. Um, either, you know, I just want to let you know, like I'm working to process it on my own, but that's happening. Or can say, you know, I'm feeling jealous about X, Y, Z. Can we talk about it and like work through, is there something that could shift that maybe would make that person not jealous? Or is that something that again, you know, you can work through on your own. And so, you know, I, I have so many monogamous friends who when they hear that I'm polyamorous, the first thing they say to me, the first thing a lot of people say to me is like, oh, I could never do that. I'd be too jealous. And I'm like, Possibly, yeah. You know, a lot of people would be too jealous. Um, I, I know that I do experience jealousy very differently than a lot of people because I don't have that feeling of sexual ownership around my partners. And so I don't have that feeling that, you know, I have sex with my girlfriend, so I should be the only person that she right. has sex with. Well, this might, um, so several episodes before yours is going to air one on attachment styles. And this might actually lead back to people's attachment styles, right? Because mm -hmm. if you're have an insecure attachment style, polyamory probably would not work out very well. Um, you it's know, gonna be a lot harder. It's going it's to be a lot, lot harder. More. It's going to, it's going to take a lot more work, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. you said, it takes a lot of communication. It takes a lot of being like very open and vulnerable and setting clear boundaries. A lot of those things are things that people like struggle with. Mm -hmm. Um, so it would be difficult 
uh, or more difficult to have a poly relationship for people who have have those are struggling with those things, right? Mm-hmm. Struggling with boundaries, struggling with um, attachment, struggling with um, self like self worth and stuff like that. Because then you start like, oh, are they seeing this other person because they you know don't like me? It would take it for this to work. It sounds like it would take somebody who has to have done some work on themselves like to to be very honest and open about like I'm not talking about like you must have spent years in therapy I'm mm-hmm. I mean like you have to be it sounds like you have to be very honest and open not only with the other people in your relationship but with yourself absolutely and I think the thing that I'll come back to again and again is like healthy polyamory because you know anybody can do it and lots of people lots of people practice unhealthy monogamy there are people who also practice unhealthy polyamory and so yeah for healthy polyamory to be really healthy and work really well it's going to be a lot easier if you can communicate if you do the self-work on yourself um you know i have a therapist i am i am hand to god so lucky i don't know how i found a therapist who is as like knowledgeable and open as mine is because I talk to her about poly shit all the time. And she's like, all right, like, let's work through this. Let's talk about how you're feeling about Y, what you're feeling about X. Um, you know, and she like, she does a lot of work with um, attachment theory. And, you know, I know that I am an anxious attachment style and I have a lot of anxiety and, you know, I know that I need to communicate a lot about that. And over the last you know, year to year and a half, my girlfriend and I have had a lot of conversations about, you know, so when this happens, it makes me feel really anxious. Can we talk about, um, you know, sometimes it's just like, I need to know your reasoning for doing something. I don't need you to change it. I don't need you to do anything differently. I just need you to explain it to me so that my brain doesn't get stuck in a loop of why is she doing that? Why is she doing that? Why is she doing that? Because as soon as she tells me why she's doing it, I'm like, oh, okay, we're good. We're fine. Um, you know, and she does a lot of, you know, she has a lot of conversations that I don't get looped in in until the very end of the conversation. She's this whole thought process in her mind. And at the very, very end of it is like, oh, hey, Chrissy. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Um, you know, that feeling of like whiplash of being brought in at the last minute. And so, you know, we've talked about that and tried to, you know, bring me into the conversation earlier, because again, like it's the exact same conversation. She's going through the same process. I just know about it a little bit earlier on. I'm a little bit more like aware of what is happening as it is happening. And for someone who is a very anxious person, an anxious avoidance, uh, an anxious attachment style, you know, it's really helpful to have that information. It can help my mind just quiet so much more. Yes. And, you know, I come from a place because as somebody who has a lot of trauma and has a lot of stuff, my own baggage even if I wasn't with my husband, I'm not sure if I could, I could manage at this point in time in my life, a polyamorous relationship, because I barely have the capacity for the one, (laughs) (laughs) much less multiple, but that's me and being honest about where I am and who I am and how I'm built. Um, but I think I'm saying that. So people know, like you need to be aware of yourself. Right. 
Yeah. Um, and you need to, to be able to do these things, like you said, to be, to have a healthy polyamorous relationship, because I've seen an unhealthy polyamorous relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was actually, this, this couple I talked about earlier was telling other people they knew that I was their girlfriend, even though I wasn't, and they knew I was monogamous and kept trying to bring me into their relationships. That's very unhealthy. Yikes for, on several bikes. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. That's why I wanted you to come on and talk about this because I want, mm-hmm. if somebody had a bad, a bad um, experience like I did, I don't want them to think that's how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't know other poly people through these people, I wouldn't yeah. have known that's not how it was supposed to be. But yeah. the other poly people that I met through them were like, oh no. And they're like, we had no idea this is how they were rolling. They were the ones that mm-hmm. told me like, oh, they were telling everybody that you are their girlfriend. And they're like, but it didn't make sense when we met your husband and it didn't add up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, <laughs> y'all didn't present yourselves as a polyamorous couple. So we were. <laughs> right. yeah, and they're absolutely. like, and then, then they said they were judging me because they thought that I was keeping it from him. Mm-mm. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, <laughs> there was nothing going on there. <laughs> they were keeping it from me, actually. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, but I'm thankful that I met so many people that I was able to, to learn more because I mm-hmm. love to learn. Like I, you know, even if something it doesn't like, is it something that I am interested in? I want to learn and I want to know because mm-hmm. I know that that life does not work in this like cookie cutter world that we try to fit it into. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, I really wanted you to come on and talk about that. So you mentioned COVID, um, uh-huh. which we're all dealing with. How, how do y'all manage this polycule with COVID? Great question. And that is something that, um, you know, I, we have talked about in our polycule, in our, you know, just like larger friend group overall, we've talked about a lot um, because, you know, there's, there's a really healthy mix in my friend group of not, of non-monogamous and monogamous people. And, you know, a lot of the monogamous people were like, how are you poly people doing it? Cause like, I can barely, I'm, you know, I'm locked in a house with my husband and like we're managing, but like, how are those of you who have multiple partners doing it? Cause like, you know, we've, we've got people who are like in long distance relationships who haven't seen their partners in, you know, almost a year at this point. Um, we're lucky that, you know, right now everyone in our polycule is local and in some ways polyamorous people were almost better set up for some of the communication that's necessary for COVID to begin with, because we already have conversations around risk STI exposure. If you're going to be having sex with multiple new partners, you need to be able to have the conversation about, okay, what are our agreements? Like what safer sex methods do I need you to use? Am I setting as a boundary? Um, You know, how often do people need to get tested? All of those conversations that we have been having for ages and ages around sex and new partners, everybody is now needing to have around, can this person be part of our COVID bubble? And so we're already in a place where we're really comfortable having these conversations. And so, you know, we all kind of check in with each other about like, hey, you know, like, since I'm in the bubble, am I okay if I go X? And so, you know, 
technically all eight of us are interconnected because even though there are certain people that I don't see, they're still, I'm still exposed to them down right. the line. Um, but we've also gone through a couple of iterations of it because, you know, when COVID first started, my girlfriend and I went into lockdown and we, we don't live together, but we live close enough that we potted together and we were literally the only two people we were seeing. And so, you know, the only time I left my house was to go to her house and vice right. versa. We were doing all our grocery deliveries to our houses and stuff. You know, we were only seeing each other. And when cases got a little bit better, the weather was really nice over the winter, uh, over the summer, we kind of expanded out a little bit. And so, you know, she started seeing both of her other partners again, and I started seeing um, the, the other partner that I'm in a relationship with. Um, and, you know, we kind of like branched out a little bit and we were feeling pretty good. We were still only really seeing a small handful of people and even the webs out from there, we were really cautious about it. So it wasn't mm -hmm. a super large web. Um, when the cases started getting really bad again, we had a discussion, um, you know, she had discussions with her other partners, looped me into the conversation and was like, right now, I don't think it's safe for me to see either of them. Um, and so we've been in kind of, again, like we were back in March, a little bit of like lockdown mode, only seeing each other maskless. Um, and we'll be, we'll be branching out a little bit with one of her partners, but one her other, so, so one boyfriend has all of his partners work at home. And so it feels a little safer than yeah. her other partner. His, his wife works outside. You know, she works outside the house in a higher risk situation. And so, you know, our risk tolerance just isn't in a place where we're comfortable seeing each other right now. And so like, she'll go see him outside. Um, her birthday's coming up. She'll go see him outside to like, you know, just have like some like face-to-face across a driveway time to be like, right. hello, human. Um, but, you know, won't be going maskless because right now that's not where our risk tolerance is. Right. And so, you know, the communication is more important than ever because now we're not only, you know, we're not really communicating around new partners right now because nobody's bringing new partners into the polycule when we're all just trying to like navigate where we are. And so almost in a way, like any conversations that we would be having around new partners have really just shifted to the COVID conversations of, you know, um, are you comfortable if I go for a walk outside with my friend wearing masks? Is that within your risk profile? Um, and like, these are conversations that are really important for everyone to have. Yeah. Um, you know, we want everyone to be transparent about the things that we're, they're doing and, in you know, a lot of my relationships, it's already kind of built in because I've already had practice asking my girlfriend, are you comfortable if I go on a date with this person? Mm -hmm. So me asking if she's comfortable going with me going on a walk with one of our friends, making sure that I'm wearing a mask, very similar concept about Absol that communication. Absolutely. Um, and I've had um, epidemiologist Katie Saletta on my podcast three times mm -hmm. now. Uh, episode two, so her, um, her, um, what she works primarily in is, well, infectious diseases, but sexually transmitted infectious diseases. So she likened COVID on episode two to 
uh, HIV mm-hmm. and how it was spread and how like people got condom fatigue and how people are getting mass fatigue. It was great. Mm-hmm. So when you said that, I'm like, oh my gosh, it sounds so much like what Katie said, but you're right. So uh, like you were saying, polyamory can kind of show us how like we should be handling COVID, even though people aren't handling COVID the way they should be handling COVID is like you all are having conversations about what you feel comfortable with and what mm-hmm. you're, you're willing to um, have happen. And that should be happening when we have conversations about COVID, right? And we had a conversation right before um, we started recording was I had recently had to stop hanging out with somebody because they weren't being honest mm-hmm. and open with me and being like, hey, I know we hang out. Is it okay? Um, because then you get smacked across the face when they start talking to you about like, oh, I did all these things. And I'm like, that's beyond my risk tolerance. That is not what we agreed to. That is not like when I, when I, when I said, are you doing the things, these are the things I'm doing. these are the things I'm comfortable with. And you said several months ago, yes. And then now all of a sudden you're not doing those things that freaks me out. And I spent two weeks having anxiety attack about how I might have gotten COVID because I'm not, I'm a low risk. I mean, I don't like hole up my house and never leave, but I'm very low risk. Like I, well, in Connecticut, you're required to wear a mask as you mm-hmm. are in New York. Um, so if I'm going out in public, I have to wear a mask anyways. Thank goodness. I don't hang out with a bunch of people. Um, I don't do, I don't go out to eat in restaurants. I don't, I don't do anything. Like I literally mm-hmm. work from home and I had two friends I was seeing. Now I have one. So, like, You know, um, when I went to, I went to my sister's for Thanksgiving cause she lives in New York and New York is a green state to Connecticut. And mm-hmm. we took all of the precautions beforehand and afterwards, like, you know, self-isolating, making sure we were doing the thing. I still had anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were very honest and open with each other about like, hey, this is what we're doing. Um, and if I'm doing something you're not comfortable with, please let me know. And so it was that. And so I love how like it, it kind of, and hopefully people listening when we got to this point part can now like kind of like okay, I understand. Yes. Because <laughs> I have a COVID bubble too. And I have to talk to them about these things. <laughs> so I love how you guys are, are handling it. And I'm sorry that COVID is getting in the way of everything. It's awful. Oh, it's getting in the way of so many things. And, you know, we're, we're almost starting to loop back around. Like, you know, I had a friend who had a birthday a couple of weeks ago and I just kind of was thinking about like, I was not expecting that like she would have to celebrate her birthday in early December yeah. in quarantine. My birthday was in May. Like right. my birthday was one day before the initial stay at home order that Cuomo put in place, May 15th. It was the stay at home order was till until May 15th. My birthday is May 14th. And I was like, it's great. Like I'm going to have like, maybe it'll have to be like a week or two late, but like, I'm still going to have a party for my, oh Yeah. But I, you know, I would have thought by December and, and here we are again, like oh, here we still are. doing COVID birthday parties. I know. Well, the time goes by super fast <laughs> and I feel like we could do like a hundred episodes on this. So I want to encourage anybody, if you have any questions or you want to hear, you know, Chrissy come back on and answer some questions, you can email me at info at inspiredwomenpodcast.com. Um, and if we get enough questions, I will ask Chrissy if she would like to come back on and answer those questions. 
Um, I am always down to talk about poly stuff. See? So if anybody's curious, you can send it anonymously. <laughs> it's fine. You don't have to sign your name. Make up an email address if you want. I'm not going to tell anybody who you are. It's good. <laughs> you know, I know people get really crazy about stuff like that where they're just like, we had a BDSM episode and people were like messaging me, but they're like, I don't tell anybody I, I messaged you about this. I'm like, who am I going to tell? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm not talking to anybody about anything. <laughs> so, ask me your embarrassing sex questions. I will answer. Yes, ask all the questions. So, uh, Chrissy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Um, what would you like to leave the Inspired Women audience with, you know, about what we've talked about today? Thank you so much for having me. I love coming on. I love talking with you about this stuff. It's so much fun. Um, I think the main thing that I want to leave your listeners with is that polyamory is no better or worse than monogamy. There's no hierarchy with the two of those, but for a lot of people, one of them is going to be much, much healthier for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And it might be worth exploring if you are a person who has historically practiced monogamy and that never felt right for you it might be worth giving it a thought because maybe I said something today that like jogged your brain and you were like, that explains so much. I should. (laughs) Hmm. And so, you know, um, one of my, one of my favorite advice columnist podcasters, Dan Savage loves to talk about, um, we practice monogamy by default. There's always this kind of just assumption that, we will be monogamous that, you know, you meet someone on a dating app and after you move that conversation off of the dating app and to text or to an in-person meeting, whatever your litmus test is, there's that assumption that like, okay, we're not going to talk to any other people. We're only monogamous. And that's also worth having a conversation about. Um, You know, I have a partner, I'm still on dating apps and I put out there on my dating apps that I am in an open relationship and polyamorous because I want to have that conversation really early in any kind of conversation with a potential new partner of like, Hey, how do you feel about this? Because, you know, I, I want to know if they are monogamous, great for them might not be a good partner for me and vice versa. Yeah. This has been a great, great discussion. I love it. I hope people got a lot of information out of it. We, I, hopefully we cleared up a lot of like misinformation that was out there. And like I said, fingers. Yes. Like I said, we could talk about this for like hours on end. Um, so it certainly was not enough time, but, uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.